Let Me Tell You a Story, podcast number 105. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago. It was the age of Never mind it is a truth how long we You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with your hosts, Steve and Becky Lyles. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine, or lace up your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, this is Becky. We're starting a new season of um, Let Me Tell You a Story after taking the summer off. And we're going to do it a little different this year, we think. We're going to have a uh, more of an interview focus of not just authors, but other people with interesting stories. And so because Steve and I are so very, very interesting, <laughs> sorry, ah. <laughs> um, we're going to start by interviewing each other. So since I have the microphone, I'm going to ask the first question. It's a dual question um, to Steve. Where did you grow up, and what is your earliest memory? Well, you'd think after 44 years together, she would know where I grew up. (laughs) California, yeah, I was a West Coaster. And uh, memory, wow, such a bad memory. It's all I can do to remember today. Uh, I think the earliest memory was probably having a pet. We always had some pet. We had a little uh, chick, I guess, a little baby chicken. And um, I think we had, anyway, a variety of those household kinds of things. And I remember dad coming home from work and us siblings, us kids, sitting on the couch watching black and white TV, which is what there was then, and not realizing he had come home. He was just standing there waiting for some attention, and we were not giving him a bit. Well, the precursor to the cell phone or the tablet or the Game Boy, (laughs) as far as uh, distracting people. So I guess I'll ask myself the same questions. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to see if you can remember your question. (laughs) Uh, I was born in Nebraska, but raised in Wyoming. And my earliest memory that I can access at the moment was I must have been probably three, uh, well, maybe more like two, when my only other sibling at the time, uh, a brother, was taken to the hospital, which was a very, very small compared to today's hospitals, uh, more like a house um, with a wide white veranda. I remember that. Anyway, he must have had a really bad uh, or high temperature because he was placed, uh, submerged in a tub of ice. And God only knows why I was in the room with my parents, I think, 
and uh, the hospital staff, but I don't suppose they had a babysitter, and they needed to get uh, that temperature down. So that's my first memory. All right, my turn. What was your favorite toy? Wow, favorite toy. I suppose it was my Tiny Tears doll. <laughs> I, I, don't, I may still have that somewhere up in the closet, but she, she had real tears. And she, if I remember right, if you fed her a bottle <laughs> of water, then she also wet. <laughs> anyway, she she was. I think her eyes moved too, or you know, the lids up and down. That was pretty high tech back in the day. So, Steve, <laughs> what was your favorite toy? <laughs> so you feed or you give the doll water and it wets. <laughs> Sounds like babyhood and old age. <laughs> The favorite toy, by far, for sure, was the Flexi. The Flexi was a, it's kind of a, kind of a sled, but instead of runners, it has wheels. And uh, the front wheels steer. They still, I think you can still get one um, at an antique shop or probably online. But that thing was more fun. Uh, my friends, we would get at the top of the hill and I don't know, it was probably six or so blocks long and we'd station somebody at each corner and go all the way down uh, hoping that we would be able to see in time if a car was coming from the other direction <laughs> from 90 degrees so we wouldn't get run over. <laughs> But that thing, yeah, I still have scars from where I took corners and flipped and paved the sidewalk. And yeah, that was fun. So that must have been a fun memory because you've talked about it often over our 44 years of marriage. But I will not allow you to ride one now. <laughs> it's just not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> now it would have to be a, a steel eye bar, an eye beam on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> with a cage around you to protect you. <clears throat> I think they quit manufacturing that, if I remember right, because it was a dangerous toy. Oh, it was dangerous, but it sure was fun. <laughs> yeah, like so many of the toys we had back in the day, now that everything is just a little bit tame. So, on to another question. Let's see. How about our earliest school memory? Can you remember first grade or before? Well, I was called into the principal's office in elementary school, I think once, and got the spanking. Got a spanking with that board. Maybe, maybe listeners will uh, relate to this or remember the same thing. It was a board with a thick hardwood board with holes in it, and that was the paddle. You didn't forget that. You didn't forget what you had done, and you were sure to not repeat <laughs> the offense. I remember that. I remember, I think it was in second grade, the teacher wanted me to, uh, it was my job, anytime the big paper cutter was sent back to the office, that I would do it. 
it wasn't one of those back then with the little roller. This was the big guillotine kind of paper cutter. And she wanted me to hold it a certain way. So when I held it that way and went down the hall to the office, the lady in the office said, oh, no, 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 hold it this way. So I had to remember who wanted it to be held how and to change it on the way. <laughs> so do you remember what you got paddled for? No. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> I'm not telling anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, speaking of first grade, do you say first grade or second? Second. <laughs> well, um, where I grew up, there was no kindergarten. But in first grade, I really loved the Dick and Jane books and learning to read. There was a paddling aspect, though. I honestly believe I had the meanest teacher in the school, but she had tenure, and they just waited till she got old to get rid of her. But she, um, I was at the board writing letters, and I made an R wrong. Um, the first line, I went up instead of down, and I got paddled for that. If you could imagine, <laughs> I don't think that would happen today. You probably spelled wrong, R-O-N-G. <laughs> oh, well, maybe that was the problem. <laughs> While we're talking about early school memories, I have a crazy second grade memory. <laughs> um, as only second grade girls can do, um, a group of us gathered in the bathroom one day to taste Kella Olson's petticoat <laughs> because her mom had starched it with sugar. And I'll tell you, her skirt or the bottom of her dress stuck way out. And we all just took turns licking her petticoat. <laughs> and sure enough, it really was sugar. <laughs> Sweet story. But I tell you, I don't remember doing that in any grade. <laughs> any crazy memories for you? I don't, I don't know if I'd say crazy. Um, I enjoyed, as a kid, I mean, elementary school, I guess it was, um, I was a tetherball player, and there were three of us who kind of dominated the school. Kathy King, I don't know why I remember her name, and I have no idea who the other one was. <laughs> but we would play each other, and you know, one of the three of us, no matter who in the school we played, we ruled the tetherball pole. That was a lot of fun, and I would play till my hands were sore and sometimes bleeding. I'd go home, and my mother did not like that. Well, the bleeding part. She liked it that I came home. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I guess she never said, did she? <laughs> well, they didn't kick you out, as far as I know. So, um... Although when I was, I think, five, this might be what you're looking for, I decided I knew all I needed to know, and I was going to run away from home. 
Well, I must have read a book that showed somebody with a stick and a little something tied to the end of it, because that's what I did. And it seems to me I put in some things that you probably wouldn't need when you ran away. And I started walking down the hill. And I remember turning around and there was mom on the porch watching me. I thought she was thinking, wow, he's gone forever. She was thinking, I wonder how many more steps till this guy gets some sense. <laughs> and she was right. I turned around right away. I think I needed to eat. And she gave me <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Next question. How did you get to school? Did you ride a school bus? Did your parents take you? How did you get there? Reminds me of the song, How Did Moses Cross the Red Sea? <laughs> um, no, I think high, uh, junior high it was called then. Now it's middle school. Between our house and the school, there were those infamous 72 stairs going down the hill. And... Uh, so that was the daily trudge. Go, go to the stairs, down to get to school, and back up to get home. A story about that, which has nothing to do with how I got there, with some, you know, some bullies at the time. They were called hondos. <laughs> they were uh, at the bottom of the stairs, and they would prevent little kids from, well, younger kids or or 92-pound uh, weaklings from passing unless, I'm not sure what they wanted, if it, you know, it was money or food or fight or what, but one day they were hassling me, and yes, I was the wimp. And my brother, and I'm not sure what he would have been doing there because he was old enough to be way over on the other side of town. He showed up, and he wasn't a fighter either, but he must have talked them out of it or made them pity me or something. Uh, neither one of us got beat up. <laughs> Saved my, by my big bro. I also walked to school in the small town where I grew up. Um, there were three schools, elementary, junior high, and high school, so it was big enough that those were separated. However, they were all within, oh, I don't know, four or five blocks of our house. So it was not a big, long walk. However, having grown up in Wyoming, it was a battle with the wind almost every day. So depending on which direction you went, the wind would blow you to school, almost lifting you off your feet. I think that was on the way to school. And then on the way home, because, yeah, I would walk west, and the wind would come off the mountains in the west. And I'd be, you know, your arms full of books, because that was before backpacks. Arms full of books, you'd be pushing against the wind with all of your strength. And hopefully it didn't let up, because you'd fall on your face. I don't believe that ever happened. But that is, um, that's how I got to and from school um, with the assistance of the wind. While we're talking about school then, what was your favorite class? Oh, well, that was so long ago. <laughs> it, 
It's hard to remember. Uh, I always excelled in the English and literature type of classes. But I think maybe in, uh, well, junior high and high school, uh, probably Spanish class. Not that I can speak more than two or three words of Spanish right now, but uh, I just enjoyed the different language. And especially in high school, the teacher was really laid back. And that was just, a, what's the word, a less um, demanding class but pretty easy for me. It's also a good time to catch up on my homework for other classes. Uh, let's see, what else did I enjoy? All the, you know, the, the books we had to read and uh, writing the, the reports and the essays and that kind of thing. I usually enjoyed that. I can't remember that I was real fond of math. <laughs> And as Steve talks, something else might come to me, but I'm probably a pretty typical writer as far as what my likes were. You're not a typical writer. You're an exceptional writer. Thank you. <laughs> so let's see. Favorite classes? Yeah, Glee Club. That was in eighth grade. I remember Mr. Myers. We sang Old Man Noah, and he came in one day with his guitar he was real good on piano. That's how he, you know, played our parts and stuff. But he came in one day with his guitar and sang Old Shep, the old cowboy song about the dog. He said it was going to be real sad. I had never heard it or heard of it. And it must have been sad because he cried. <laughs> I don't remember if any eighth grade boys cried. But, uh, and then... He told, I remember a story he told of, he was an opera singer on the side, and he said he was doing this Italian opera and forgot the words. So he made stuff up, just ended the words with I and O, and made it through. And his point was, <laughs> wing it. <laughs> if you forget it, wing it. Who's going to know? <laughs> See, another class was um, public speaking. I liked that. That was high school. We had to give a, a speech on, well, I forget exactly what it was called, but kind of like, why public speaking? And I looked through a Bartlett's Familiar Quotations book and found one I thought would just be the answer. And I started my speech with that quote and then said, and it was something like, there's nothing more powerful than the spoken word. You know, there is the pen, da 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 da, but, but nothing more powerful than the spoken word, and which fit just exactly what he was talking about. And I said, those words were spoken by Adolf Hitler. He thought that was hilarious. And I went on with another minute or so and, and got an A. So. <laughs> Just quoted a Dolph and got an A. What else? Um, oh, art. I'll just say a quick one on art. That was where the teacher took me out of the classroom into the hallway and said, you know, everybody has a strong point. This is not yours. Find something else to do. 
<laughs> Sounds like a tactful teacher. <laughs> but I know you're fairly artistic, so I don't quite understand that teacher. Well, maybe if you saw the art he did, you'd say he was not. <laughs> In your younger years, was there anything else you enjoyed doing other than riding down hills on your flexi? Irritating my sister. <laughs> but I enjoyed the Lionel train set, and it would, it was a short track in a circle. I think it was big enough to go around the Christmas tree one year. And then, I don't know if we got an attachment or something different, or just got the little pill-sized things that dropped in the smokestack of the engine, I think it was, and it made it look like the engine was smoking as it worked. But yeah, the train was a lot of fun. I don't know why you'd sit and watch something go around and around and around. I did. <laughs> so, speaking of your sister <laughs> and um, irritating her, I think you have a couple stories that you might be able to tell. Yeah, speaking of my sister, I hope she hears this so guilt will envelop her for life. <laughs> she wanted to help my mother one day, and I was in the stroller. Our house had stairs that took about a 90-degree turn and some more stairs and she wanted to help mom get me down the stairs helpful little girl she was so she started pushing me down and of course the uh, the stroller <laughs> took a life of its own left her hands and i bounced down and bounced out and when it hit that landing i flew so uh, i don't know if i hit the the cement <laughs> or the grass just beyond it. But my sister has always blamed me for being the way I am because of that accident. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't an accident. <laughs> it was also, we had a no girls club, my friends and I. It was Roger and Greg and I don't know, maybe another one or two. And dad had some, uh, some spare, I guess you call it, building materials in the yard. And we used some of that to build this little clubhouse behind the garage. And it was not very, um, well, sturdy, I guess, for one. <laughs> and my sister did not like the idea of, of being excluded. So she got on top of it and jumped up and down until it collapsed. <laughs> Another story is that we had a tent. I don't know if it was a play tent or it was a tent for camping, but some of us, uh, some of us boys, again, we got in there, I think my brother and the neighborhood kids, and my sister was outside, wanted to come in, and we said no. So she got dad's sledgehammer. Now, we were not very old, so you know, it wasn't like she had a lot of control in swinging that thing. And it became a game that we would poke a finger through, or not through, but uh, at, from the inside of the tent, and she would aim for it. 
Well, she was slow at getting there. So we'd go one on one side and one on another, and by the time she saw it, you know, well, we could have a few more here and there. So I thought, this game's getting old. I'll just stick my head there, and bam! <laughs> she was right there, and so was my head. <laughs> wow, and she blames the stroller accident for, for how you are. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I actually don't remember the question that triggered that, <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it but it triggered. But I did want to say that one of my favorite things to do as a kid <clears throat> was not hit my siblings with a sledgehammer, unlike my sister-in-law. <laughs> but I liked to walk to the library on the other side of town, which was oh probably about. A 10 block walk. That's going from the west side of town to the east side of town and that covered the whole town. Um, I'd love to do that in the summer barefoot and uh, walking on the cool grass or sidewalks and walking into the county library it was um, on the marble floors that were so cool and just always enjoyed doing that. And I think I read pretty much every book in that library. <laughs> Downstairs was the children's section, upstairs was adult. And uh, probably some adult books I shouldn't have read, but I read whole animal series, whole, um, you know, girl detective series, all that stuff. But that is a favorite memory, the Platte County Public Library. What was your favorite food? Well, when I was a kid, my mother um, made macaroni and cheese, very unlike the box stuff you can buy today at the store. Um, she, I can't even tell you what was in it, but it wasn't just cheese and just macaroni. I think there was ham and onions and um, just, she really made it tasty. And the other food I remember, um, I remember it because it was my father's favorite, and that was ham and beans. <laughs> so uh, just a big pot of pinto beans with the, you know, the ham bone and the ham pieces in the middle. And we had it all kinds of ways. He liked it with all kinds of toppings, chopped onion, ketchup, uh, butter, I think I really liked the butter. Oh, and salt and pepper. Lots of salt and pepper. What was your favorite food? I think that would have been, well, a little backstory. <laughs> I had a morning paper route. So I'd get up way before the sun, fold those papers, either walk or ride the bike, all over, I mean, it was a big route. and. There was a bakery, and I had to time it because they didn't open till I think, 6. And they had the best, well, they were they were still warm. They get the, um, the jelly donut, raspberry jelly donut. And those would be just coming out of the oven. Wow. So I'd stop in there. I don't know if it was daily. I'll bet it was close. And grab one or two of those. 
and just let them melt in my mouth. They really did. So good. <laughs> I think that was my fave. <laughs> okay, let's see. What other favorites can we talk about? How about pets? Did you have a favorite pet? Probably the dogs. Uh, we had a dog. I'm not sure I remember the name, but yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's probably as good as I can do on pets. <laughs> oh, that's a little vague. <laughs> um, we had oh, we had lots of pets. My mother loved animals, and she allowed the five children to all have pets, including uh, my brother's mouse that he kept in the plastic bucket that lost all its hair, and it would get loose and run around nude throughout the house and we'd be chasing it and the cats and oh and then he, he had a turtle too and this is not talking about my favorite pets but he had a turtle too that would get out of its dish you know those plastic dishes with the little ramp they could the turtles could walk on and, and somehow that turtle would get out and we'd find it weeks or months later in the corner all dried up and stick it back in water and it pop its little head out and <laughs> I can't believe my mother let us have all those critters. We mostly had cats and dogs and probably my favorite dog was named Judy, a little black cocker spaniel. She was just a real sweet dog and that was in my younger years, probably ages oh, maybe four or five to nine or ten in there, but just um, I guess she sticks out because she just had a real sweet disposition. You said you spent a lot of time at the library. Is that why you became an author? You had books you liked? Certain books? Oh my goodness, I loved them all. Although I don't believe I ever, at a young age, considered writing a book of my own. Um, well, I'm mulling this in my mind, I might say that probably my favorite book, oh, more and more are coming to mind, but I loved Heidi and loved the description of the Swiss mountains. So that was a real favorite childhood book. And uh, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, probably just because my name came from there. Oh, my, so many, the Nancy Drew series and... Oh, I read my brother's books, too, you know. There were the Hardy Boys. They had mysteries, and there was so Tom Swift, the Tom Swift series, um, the, you know, boy scientist kind of thing. Uh, Grace Livingston Hill, when I got older, those very predictable romances. <laughs> so formula, but I've probably read every one of them in the county library. I think the one of the key books that uh, gave me the thinking about writing, or at least journalism. And I don't remember the title, but it was about a girl reporter, a girl in high school, and how she went out to find the news and report it. And it was just somehow triggered something in me. Although I've never wanted to be a reporter, somehow it triggered a writing urge in me. What were your favorite books from childhood and how does that relate to the 
poetry and short stories that you write today? I don't know if I read anything as a kid, not till required reading in high school. <laughs> but what about I, comic books? Yeah, I think I read some comic books. Flash, that was a good one. And I don't know if they had, I don't know what's in, uh, what they have for superheroes anymore. You know, I have these movies out and stuff, but uh, they had one, I think he was the elongated man walk along and reach up three floors and rescue a, as somebody from a burning house. You know, you just stretch. <laughs> I don't know if that one's still around. Uh, anyway, yeah, there were comic books. I read the Weekly Reader um, one, probably in class we were given time to do it. But it had interesting stories. It also had quotations, which I still enjoy reading you get so much out of those and because it seems that those are the best of what somebody has to say about a subject it's like a lot of things all boil down and in a sentence or two there it is another thing it had was uh, jokes well those are always great but the thing that i liked most about the weekly reader is it had poems by ogden nash I would read those and I just love them. One of those, uh, I still remember. Some primal termite knocked on wood and tasted it and found it good. And that is why your cousin May fell through the parlor floor today. <laughs> so, so I thought, yeah, this is good. In just a few words, he writes the whole story. You know, you can't have a whole bunch of pages. It's just a simple thing, and yet it's funny. So that's that's what got me going on short poems and limericks. And uh, and then in doing that, here within recent years, I guess it was calling Dad. I used to call every week. We talk, and uh, I'd ask him questions about his early uh, childhood or just before he was married, when he was in the military, um, or, you know, back back years ago. And he'd tell me things that I had no idea. I just never knew that part of my dad. So I decided I would write little one-pagers that would give somebody, you know, our kids, an idea of who I was or why I am like I am. I don't know if I could ever say that. <laughs> and, uh, but just little short things, not a whole long book, not a biography, little vignettes. And so that's fun to do. To give you a taste of where we're at today, because that's really enough about our histories, um, not only where we are today, but where writing is today. I'm going to read just a few paragraphs from my newest series. Now, this series is not in print yet. I'm hoping to complete two books before that goes out. I'm about one and a half books into it so far. But the series is titled Prisoner of Hope, and the first book is titled Shattered Dreams. Eight orange-clad women, nine, including myself, are waiting to use one of two phones. 
I'm the last inmate in the slow-moving line. Like the others, I've been standing on the linoleum-covered cement floor for almost an hour. I shift my weight to the other foot. My feet ache, my back spasms. The jail-issue boots don't help. I'd love to sit, but the only chairs in the room are the stools attached to the phone kiosk. We're not allowed to sit on the floor. The women ahead of me grumble and gossip, or fidget with their hair and stare at the wall. Two of them argue in hushed tones about who got there first. All are as anxious as I am to connect with the outside world. The gaunt, gray-haired woman ahead of me looks at me over her shoulder. Her dull eyes, pinpointed by tangled wrinkles, are dark and unreadable, and her creased lips are curled with contempt. She points at a newcomer who's exceeded the 10-minute call limit and rasps between broken yellow teeth. The broad on the left will learn. Her smoker's breath assaults my sinuses like a slap. We've just come in from the yard, where twice a day she chain smokes and I walk the track. Stifling a cough, I glance at the guard standing inside the doorway. But he doesn't care how long any of us talk or what we say. He's only there to keep the peace. The residents of Gallatin County Detention Center are the ones who enforce a 10-minute maximum and discourage those who monopolize the phones from repeating the infraction. They'll deliver a crystal clear message to the newcomer tonight, a message she'll remember for a long time. If nothing else, she'll learn not all rules are written. I'll read one of my one-pagers. It's what I call Plunge. It has to do with when I was a kid. We've been talking about our histories. Anyway, and I know I say the word, the last word, um, incorrectly as it's said today, but it was right back then. (laughs) When I was in junior high school, my friends and I went to a huge swim pool. Although I've never been one to take big risks in life, I always liked to swim and to jump off the high dive. So as soon as we arrived, we suited up and headed for the deep end. Back in those days, swimsuits weren't made the way they are today. They were kind of like halter tops for the male midsection. They stretched around and under like an elastic diaper, sort of like a mini girdle for guys. My big challenge for the day was to jump, not dive off the high dive, which compared to my diminutive size, seemed to be about 100 feet high. It wasn't the regular diving board that was, oh, maybe four or five feet above the water surface. And it wasn't the mid-level board that was probably 10 feet up. No, I had to go for the one that was somewhere between the water and Jupiter. Since it was a hot day, the pool was packed. There were people everywhere. I looked toward the high dive and thought the line looked like ants on a sidewalk. So I joined it and waited for my turn. We were all in a hurry to get up and jump off, but we could only go so fast up the crowded ladder. Each person's face was at the level of the rear end of the person just ahead of them, and all hands stayed busy on the ladder railing, steadying the bodies. It was when I was about halfway up when the limits of my stretchy suit were maxed out. 
It's split right down the middle of the back. I remember feeling the girdle give way, the pressure ease, and the breath of the person behind me whistling through the new gap. Suddenly, she was desperate to get away from her new unavoidable view. I wanted to fly away and never come back. But there I was, stuck in ladder traffic while my crack was exposed to the unfortunate girl who didn't want to know that much about me. That's my guess. To be honest, I didn't ask her. It seems strange, but I don't remember what happened. I'm told the mind hides life's humiliating events. I'm sure my ego was lower than the pool drain. Looking back, I know the board's height wasn't halfway between water and Jupiter. It was closer to Uranus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a good way to end this podcast or not, but that's what we're going to do. Get that mental picture out of your head. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading. Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at beckyliles.com. Steve and Becky like to hear your thoughts, and they encourage authors to send stories and other short prose and poetry for them to read on the podcast. You can learn more about Becky's books by visiting beckyliles.com or by searching for her books online. Her nonfiction titles can be found under the name Becky Lyles and her fiction under Rebecca Carrie Lyles. All of her books are available in both print and ebook formats. Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom are also offered in audio format online. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.